my. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Quantum Nurse live stream. And I am very excited today because I've been waiting for this moment when we could be talking about really good, let's just say dental care, but it's beyond dental care. It's beyond the mouth. And I've been waiting for this moment. And so now is the time and I'm just hoping that it will just continue to just be the beginning. So I, I welcome everyone and thank you always for following Quantum Nurse in everything that I do, especially with that Freedom live stream with all the different podcasters from around the world. And I also want to emphasize that if anything in this topic or in previous episodes that resonates to you, please share it, okay? Because oh, the, that's the most important thing is whatever resonates to you, share it mm -hmm. so that we don't feel like like I'm just talking to the computer right. <laughs> or just talking to one person. And, it, and especially whatever also resonates to you in any action step, do it because it will only be more meaningful and powerful if you put it into practice. So today I am very excited, as I mentioned, that I have Dr. Eugene Sambataro. Thank you very much for being with me. Hey, Grace. It's great being here. Thanks for the invitation. It's been a long time. We've had this discussion <laughs> sometime, almost a, like probably close to a year now. Yeah, but it's, it's, first reached it's, out worth, it's worth waiting. And no. anything that's really good, you just wait because everything is in time, in yeah. just divine timing. So I'll just give a little bit about you and then please share more because the, for me, the most important thing at the beginning of the show, or especially when people is, is wanting to get to know you more, is your story. So what I know is that here's, here's I posted here the website is juliandental.com, mm -hmm. juliancenterforsleep.com. And he also has the toxicfreedentistry.com and Julian Center for DentalImplants.com. So with those different websites, he just want to make sure yet you don't miss him. Okay. You don't miss a really good service, right? <laughs> and and um, so, and the topic will be right now is to how to integrate biohacking and bioregenesis into a biological dental practice. So with this, we would know his story that he is, um, graduated from the University of Maryland School of Dentistry in 1980. And soon after that, right away, he incorporated a holistic approach to his practice. So Eugene, it didn't take you long before you to incorporate that, right? Well, it took a few years. You know, I was practicing traditional dentistry, you know, right out of dental school. Uh, graduated in 1980. I did a residency in a hospital for a year. So I thought I was a pretty hot shot dentist, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Doing all the great things that I learned, like how to properly place mercury amalgam and how to do the perfect root canal. Um, so it wasn't until about 1986, 87. Uh, not bad, not bad. <laughs> yeah, so it was pretty early on. So, I mean, that was a while ago. So um, fortunately, um, I discovered, you know, the dangers of 
traditional dentistry early on. And it all happened um, because my friend uh, was diagnosed with uh, stage four melanoma. And so um, they told him he'd, he'd have about three to six months to live. And uh, so I, I want to tell the end of the story first and I'll go back. He's still alive today. So 1986, 87, somewhere in there, they told him three to six months. He decided not to go traditional medicine. He saw an alternative practitioner in California. I think it was called the Livingston Wheeler Center. I don't think it's there anymore. But anyway, the interesting thing, not to go into all the details of what he did, but he was told that before they started any therapy that he would need to get all the metal fillings out of his mouth. So as probably many of your listeners know, those metal fillings are, are 50% mercury. So they told him we could not do the treatment and that we wouldn't have success with the treatment as long as you had those toxic metals in your mouth. So when he came back from his um, treatment in California, um, he came to me and, and, and presented that to me. And I was like surprised. I mean, I, this was a huge, huge paradigm. I had no idea that what I was doing for the last, well, let's say, well, three years in dental school, and then a year in my residency, and then five years out in practice, placing amalgams uh, and putting mercury into people's teeth. So that was not a good thing. So I immediately said, okay, we got to stop this. I, I, I found this book because um, in those days we didn't have the internet. So. Mm -hmm. I happened to find this book by Dr. Hal Huggins uh, called It's All in Your Head. I thought it was a perfect title. So um, I read the book and I still can remember it almost like it was yesterday. I was uh, actually with my wife. We were, we were on a plane. I forget where we were going to, but uh, I was reading the book and I said, oh, my God. And I turned to my wife, who's my and has been my dental hygienist. We've been together uh, in practice for over 40 years. So I turned and I said, we get, we're you know, we're poisoning our patients. We got to do something about this. So um, I called this guy, Hal Huggins in Colorado Springs and said, can I come out and train with you? So that was kind of the beginning of um, a shift, a huge paradigm shift in the way I was practicing. So that's how it kind of all got started. Well, one thing that is really good is you listened right away to what your, your inner self was kind of like telling you. Like, yeah. you know, some people would not, some practice practitioners, whether they be dentists or doing something else that may not be very beneficial to their clients or patients, you know, they continue, but you're, you're different. So I'm glad you made yourself different and you weren't scared. And it was a perfect timing because your lovely wife was with you. Now tell me, why did you name it as Julian? dental center. And that's after your father, right? Yes. Yes. So we went through some transitions uh, at one point, you know, it was just Eugene Sambatero, DDS and Associates. That was the name of the practice. Then we went to uh, um, a holistic dental practice. Uh, then we went uh, um, healing dental practice. Uh, we were even the cranial mandibular uh, healing center. And then we were at a point where I, I wanted to make a name that I thought would 
have some legacy to it so that even when I retire and move on, you know, I could leave some legacy. So my friend said, you know, you should name this after your dad. So my dad was actually my best man in my wedding. So we were very close. When he retired, he came and worked at the practice. He was here for a number of years and um, he passed in 2001 of a sudden heart attack. And um, I thought it would be an honor to name it after him. Um, so that was a time and I was told I, I, I can't ever change the name again because <laughs> I've changed it so many times. So I thought this was an opportunity to keep keep the same name. I'm not going to change it since it's after my dad. So that was the beginning of, um, what was that, around 2006, I think. And um, yeah, it was just to create a legacy in his name. And I said, because he did work here. Um, he was in the insurance business. He was not in the medical field. So he was retired and he was just working here to just kind of keep busy. And um, he loved coming in. He'd come in once a week and do the books. Uh, but he did die of a heart attack. He did have sleep apnea, uh, although they told him he did not have that. But uh, he was a pretty big snorer, which was also the uh, impetus for the writing of my first book, which was called Stop the Snore, um, really in his honor also, because uh, there's so many people out there that have um, snoring and sleep apnea issues. So I wanted to make sure that that got out to the public. Yeah, I think I got I I made you the streamer for that. The book is Stop the Snore, Dental mm -hmm. Solutions to Healthy Sleep. So yes. correct? Yes. Okay. So, so that's always kind of been, so that kind of fit in with the you know the whole idea of holistic dentistry is that we're looking at the you know the whole body, but but mainly we're looking at what what occurs in this area of the body that is in our domain that affects the rest of the body? So we look at, do you have mercury fillings? Do you have root canals? Because root canals are chronic infections. Do you have areas where you had extractions that still have infected bone? Uh, do you have um, periodontal disease? Uh, and do you have TMJ or do you have sleep apnea issues, all those things are within our domain. And all those things can have quite a big effect on the overall health, especially systemically. Um, so doing sleep apnea fit right in with what we were already doing. Um, so that's, and that was the second part of the, so the Julian Center, but then calling it Julian Center for Comprehensive Dentistry. So meaning that we are treating, you know, the body as a whole being. Uh, which is really, really important. And I think that's forgotten because so much in medicine is done. And, you know, you've had many years in the, in the medical field, you know how everything is kind of compartmentalized. So we wanted to get away from that and make sure that we're looking at every aspect, whether it's something from a systemic issue that's causing um, oral health issues or vice versa. So we were looking at it in both ways. Uh, so that includes diet, nutrition, sleep, stress, uh, and then whatever might be going on specifically in the mouth. Sometimes, Dr. Jean, there's also a confusion with uh, people when they see also uh, some dentists advertising, say, holistic dentistry. All right. Mm -hmm. So 
as far as I can, I know, and in my experience, there's also a difference between just a holistic dentistry and biological dentistry. So can you like uh, differentiate with that? Because we all know now that there's a major difference between just a traditional dentistry. Mm -hmm. Well, the original term was holistic dentistry. So uh, it wasn't until probably in the 1990s when uh, biological medicine became popular because of uh, the work of Thomas Rao, Dr. Thomas Rao from Paracelsus in Switzerland. And a lot of what they were doing in there also included you know, oral health, but it was called biological dentistry. So that kind of caught on in the U.S. And unfortunately, as you said, I think it's become kind of a buzzword. So a lot of dentists are using that more as a marketing tool. Um, so because, you know, holistic can have a wide uh, you know, range of inclusion or exclusion, depending on where you are in your, let's say, in your career and your belief system, what your training was. Uh, and, uh, you know, just for example, uh, my training with Hal Huggins was a lot different than some of the other, um, let's say, holistic organizations. Uh, and there's, there's several. There's the Holistic Dental Association. There's the IAOMT. Uh, which is the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology, and then the IABDM, International Academy of Biological Medicine and Dentistry. Uh, so that that one tends to sway a little more towards biological medicine, and then as I said, the first one, Holistic Dental Association. But they're you know they're they're intertwined. So depending on where you were trained and who you're trained with and what courses, I try to stay. I'm members of all three organizations, so so I get kind of a blend and mixture. Uh, besides also doing training with Dr. Hal Huggins. So you do see this advertising, I'm a holistic dentist. And sometimes what I hear is that what, the, what they say is we don't place mercury amalgam fillings, but they don't remove them safely. So they're not really practicing holistic dentistry. They're just not placing mercury fillings. And it could be because it's a good marketing tool because no one wants to have these fillings placed in their mouth, mostly because they understand it's a health issue, but many people don't want them in because for cosmetic reasons. Um, so here's an interesting thing from the American Dental Association says that uh, it is unethical to remove mercury amalgam for health reasons, but it's okay to remove for aesthetic reasons. So that's, pretty crazy. They also say that they're safe, but upon removal, make sure that it's placed in a container that's marked hazardous waste. So this is the kind of stuff that you're hearing. So then, yeah, so then that's create some dentists who aren't 100% on board. And I think that one, do they practice safe removal? And two, do they, uh, do they recommend or do they actually do root canal therapy? Um, so the real biological dentists do not recommend root canals. And, and there's a lot of buzz now about doing uh, what's called a biological or holistic root canal. Uh, for me, that's, um, that's an oxymoron. Uh, and so anyone who's doing that, I would say, what is the proof that that's safe? How are you testing it? Um, there are tests. 
the probably most common is the um, is the uh, DNA test. So DNA Connections does a test where you can actually test the tooth before it's extracted in the mouth to see what kind of bacteria or what kind of microorganisms is being harbored around and surrounding that tooth. So, so my so my question to them that are doing biological root canal: Are you testing to see if, in fact, after you've completed this so-called biological root canal, are there bacteria or any other microorganisms in there that would not normally be in the mouth? Uh, because quite often people say, "Well, in the mouth full of bacteria." Well, yes, it is, but those are aerobic and they're healthy microbes. When you see things like botulism, gangrene. Um, E. coli, these aren't things you should normally see in the mouth. And we see spirochetes, like Lyme spirochetes. Um, we just did an um, extraction. I know we actually just did, cleaned out a cavitation, which is a, an old extraction site. And we tested specifically for Lyme bacteria. And it came up with like six or seven different co-infections in the Lyme co-infection field. So this is a real thing. They, they live in the mouth uh, and they shouldn't be there. So, so what, what did the response, Eugene? What was the response of the the dentist who said that they they, they never do test it after, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. For them, it's not important anymore. No, but what do you say about you know? I know some others. Yeah, they'll say that okay, if you have to do a root canal, then just do uh, ceramic fillings or whatever that is material that you the dentist use? Well, if you're talking about a root canal, uh, a traditional root canal is done with uh, these um, files that go down there, like almost like a pipe cleaner. You're cleaning the inside of the tooth out, and then you fill it with this material called gutta percha. It's a soft kind of gooey material. You heat it up, and then you condense it in the tooth. The problem is you're going to still have micro leakage around there. You're going to still have the ability for microorganisms to live in and around that tooth. Now, with these biological root canals, and I did these actually in the 90s, that's using lasers. So using a laser inside the canal to hopefully kill all the microorganisms and then fill it with the material and then use ozone and then fill it with a material like calcium hydroxide uh, we were using something called biocalyx back in the 1990s. But when I did that, initially, I thought, well, this is definitely a better root canal. But then testing came out shortly after that. And when I tested every one of them, they were still toxic. They still, still showed anaerobic bacteria in and around these, which we call holistic, biological, or healthy root canals. So that would be my only thing. If someone's having a root canal, and I'm not certainly saying if you have a root canal, you should take all those teeth out. You know, you need to be, most important thing with all this is to be informed. Make sure you got all the information before you make a decision. So if the dentist is saying you should get a root canal, you want to know why, what are my alternatives, what are the pros, what are the cons, and make sure that you do your homework because you are going to get a slanted opinion. Um, they're going to clearly say, you know, root canal is the best way to save a tooth. And it does save the tooth, but it could be at the detriment of the patient's health. And this work goes back, way back to the 1940s when Weston Price, who was the leading researcher for the ADA, he was actually removing, uh, interesting tests that he was doing, removing root canal teeth and placing under the skin of a rabbit. 
And interesting enough, if the human had kidney disease or heart disease, where the rabbit would then also have kidney disease or heart disease, and the toxins were so intense for a little rabbit that it killed the rabbit. So it may not kill the human, but it's strong enough. So that's where that work first came from. Um, so, you know, anyone who is familiar in the nutrition field knows about Weston Price because um, he's famous really for for most people in the nutrition field. So he wrote that book, um, uh, Physical uh, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. But as a dentist, he before he did this work around the world, he was a researcher for the American Dental Association. Oh, but said most people know about his work where he looked at natives around the world to see what their diets were. And he found that if you were on a native diet, uh, not the sad uh, American diet, uh, you had perfectly straight teeth. You had no cavities, no gum disease. Um, these people were, and because they weren't eating sugar, they weren't consuming carbohydrates. So, um, and they had well-developed jaws. So, because they also breastfed. So, so that's the work of Weston Price. I know that's a long way around talking about root canals, but that's where that information came from. So I would say to anyone who is getting a root canal, if you are going to, I would do a, I would do a, a biological root canal if I was going to have one, but I wouldn't recommend doing it without testing before and after. And what, what does the test really comprise, like at your office? Uh, there's several ways to do that. You can actually just take some plaque from around the tooth that has the root canal, or you can go down along the side of it and get some of the fluid. You send it off to a lab, and they test. They look at 90-plus different microorganisms. So they want to see, you know, is there bacteria, virus, parasites, fungus, mold? So they want to check to see what's growing around these dead teeth. Because remember, regardless of how you do the root canal, you, it's still dead. It, you have, and in in biological medicine, we consider teeth as organs, and each one of those teeth do fall on a specific meridian. So, if you have a dead tooth, that's going to block the normal flow of energy uh, along that meridian. So, for example, if you have an infection around a wisdom tooth, that happens to be on the heart meridian. So, if if you have infection there or you take the tooth out and leave infection, which is called then cavitation, that can lead to a blockage or interference field and prevent the normal flow of energy along that meridian. So that can cause you know, disease downstream. So that's, that's an energetic connection, but there's also that systemic connection. Sorry, I keep off the screen. A genetic, <laughs> there's a systemic effect from the toxins that are produced from the microorganisms. So that's uh, so you got kind of getting hit by both, both an energetic and a systemic issue. So that so so this part of our body cannot really be ignored. No. And uh, when when even for nurses, right? When we do our assessment, let's say if, since I have a lot of hospital experience, so before. So I remember examining them, but we usually did not even focus on the problem in the mouth. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe we'll ask about. We we never really ask about 
problems of complaints about dense teeth, nor did we even say, open your mouth, let me see what's going on with your mouth or what, right. how, how, how many mercury you have. <laughs> okay, so it's just interesting that the truth of the matter is the most ignored is the most important as well. And I only really learned that maybe just say, uh, 10 years ago, even if I was already in the holistic nutrition field, I, I still didn't get into the in-depth, in, in fact, with all the different meridians and also not understanding fully about the root canal. I yeah. just knew yeah. that I had to be careful, but I did not know. When it comes to the laser, you're still using a laser. Isn't that also all different types of laser? Yes. Yes, there are, well, you have, you know, a you can have what's called biomodulation, photobiomodulation. We used to call it low-level laser or cold laser. We still use that. That's, you know, it runs in around the 660 up to 880 nanometers. It's mostly for healing. Uh, and you can use that anywhere in your body. And we use it after an extraction. We can use it on a sensitive tooth. And then you have lasers, dental lasers that actually can cut gum tissue. So, I mean, they're strong enough. Now you're going in, in over a thousand nanometers. So it's much stronger. And then you have actually go higher than that. You have something that can cut tooth structure. So there's, so there's a whole range of lasers that are used in dentistry. And it's an excellent way, for example, if you're going to remove gum tissue or do some kind of gum treatment using a laser specifically for that, you have, uh, it's less traumatic, less bleeding, sometimes no bleeding, and it heals much quicker. Uh, same thing if you're using a laser to, say, prepare a tooth for a uh, filling. So instead of using a drill, um, the interesting thing is a laser cut, let me see my finger over here, cuts from the tip and a drill cuts from the side. So every time you use a drill, you're going to end up removing additional healthy tooth structure. You, I mean, you can't prevent it. When you're using a laser because it's firing from the tip and the laser typically will not cut healthy tooth um, unless you lay the laser on there for a period of time. Uh, so it's excellent for removing decay, excellent for removing diseased gum tissue, um, but you're not going to you're not going to produce uh, the same kind of trauma as you would with a high speed drill because a high speed drill will remove healthy tooth structure as well as disease tooth structure. So there's a wide range. And we use a low level laser for so many things. And I, you know, I recommend, and you, you see a lot about photobiomodulation now, people using full red light therapy, uh, very healing. Um, but I've been using low level laser therapy since the, since the mid 90s. <laughs> Actually, I, the first laser I bought, uh, and on the back of it, it said for veterinary use only. Um, so <laughs> I can say that now because it's been like 30 years. So I don't have to worry about someone saying, you know, you're using veterinary tools. But I figured if it healed horses and dogs and cats, it must be good for the human. And, and there was no downside. I mean, if it didn't work, it didn't work. It wasn't going to create any problems. So. Well, isn't that something? It's, I, on the side note, they said that the, the, the food for the dogs and the cats uh, have more good minerals than the food for human beings. 
Right. You see? Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Of course, there's also toxic pet food, too, that people really need to be educated about you know, because animals end up having a lot of the degenerative diseases that we have because of the diet that they're being fed. And then again, there's some animals that actually actually um, eat better than humans. Now, tell, can you can you um, cite may, may, maybe stories that you are you can share? You know, that about connecting your clients that you have seen that are that got better from their chronic conditions so that maybe the audience or the viewers can really see that it is so important to see to you know like it's a it's 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 a as a hint or an alarm that if you have a chronic condition maybe it's time to reassess again go mm -hmm. to your to a biological dentist even if there's even nothing that you may be feeling because sometimes there's no symptom directly right. in the mouth yeah quite often um it can be asymptomatic i've seen uh, i can't even tell you you know hundreds of patients who have say an abscess tooth so this is a tooth that's died it's got an active infection no symptoms no pain no swelling but we see it on an x-ray and when we remove the tooth, we remove a lot of infected tissue. Uh, I even had, um, and I've seen this before, but I, I think of this more recently, a patient came in and, and he had so much infection, it looked like he had a grapefruit growing on the side of his face. It was that swollen. And he had no pain. And he came in because he just didn't like the way his face looked. <laughs> I said, you got a serious problem. If that abscess gets into your bloodstream and goes to your brain, it could kill you or to your heart. So you could have a heart attack or stroke. So, so there's a obviously clear connection. I mean, look how far do you have to go from the upper jaw to the sinuses and to the brain? It doesn't take much. The lower teeth, because it's so vascular, quickly gets into the bloodstream. Um, you know, you being in the medical field, you know, if someone's having a heart attack, you're going to put some nitro under under their tongue because that's the quickest way to get into the body. Same with homeopathy, under the tongue. So it's a very vascular area. So anything that's going on in the mouth, it's going to go into the bloodstream, you know, as well as into the digestive system. So, yeah, we have story after story. And, and uh, it's interesting, I had a new patient today came in from, from New York. So we do get people traveling from quite a distance. And... Um, he had four wisdom teeth extracted. So let's, I said, well, let's do, you know, uh, a comprehensive workup. And on the comb beam, 3D comb beam x-ray and on the ultrasound, it showed infection in the areas where these teeth were extracted. And I just met him. So his question was exactly kind of what you're getting to. Have you seen people have these treated and get better? And I said, all the time. So I've seen patients, for example, who had their mercury fillings out and their brain fog went away. They slept better. There was less tension in their face because, you know, mercury is a neurotoxin. So it's going to cause, it's going to affect the nervous system and it can, can cause tension in the facial muscles. 
I've seen patients who've had, say, a root canal taken out and their back pain or knee pain went away. Uh, so I hear these stories all the time about this got better. And generally, uh, and we obviously can't prove that's what it was, but there's enough correlation because so often these patients are having chronic health issues. Uh, and, and, and interesting, this uh, young man that was in today, he had he just came back from Cyprus. He did uh, a 12, 20 pass ozone treatment, uh, did pulse electromagnetic frequency, acupuncture. I mean, he did, he's done all these therapies, ozone therapy, and he still just can't get better. So th this is what we see quite often. And then they've tried like everything else. And then when they address the mouth, it seems to be the one thing that can tip, you know, the iceberg. So suddenly we remove enough toxins or or barriers that allows that you know that rain barrel has has become full and it's overflown now so now we can get them back into a position where now the innate wisdom of the body can take over to start healing and i usually do encourage them to continue doing whether they're doing hyperbaric chamber uh oxygen uh therapy or they're doing ozone whatever they might be doing continue to do that obviously continuing with a good diet but he, he was an individual that I see quite often. And then when we treat, say we take the root canal out, we take the mercury out, or we treat these infected uh, uh, jawbone infections from extracted teeth, suddenly something changes. And sometimes it's pretty rapid. Um, so we almost always see some level of improvement. And that varies depending on the individual, depends on their you know, physiological makeup, what's their, you know, what's, what's it going to take to kind of move them, move that pendulum to the other side? Uh, we just don't know. Um, so rarely do I see those people first. I usually see them more towards their frustration after they've gone through so many other things. Yeah. So from you, from the, the story that you mentioned, and I also know other stories, if, if, if what's in the mouth that we, you know, as a biologic dentist is really not being treated, no matter what holistic treatments they have to go through, it will not be a permanent solution, right? So, that's why I mean, sometimes it is. I mean, you know, that's the tricky thing about the body. We don't know what is that specific. Is it one specific thing? Is it a multitude of things? Because we're talking about, you know, we're talking about genetics. Uh, we're talking about uh, your mental state, um, how you process things, how what you think about, what's your stress level, which how are you sleeping, what you're putting in your into your body, uh, do you exercise? So all those things, and then. What you know, are you on pharmaceuticals? That's going to be certainly a detrimental effect. But are you doing more holistic things like you're getting regular massage, chiropractic, acupuncture? You know, you're doing those, are you doing things at home? Uh, that's where the biohacking comes in. So that's why we integrate that here. We do a number of things here. I have uh, something called the light portal. Of course, we have the Rasha here, and um, these are things that are in addition to you know, your normal dental procedures, because these are things that are going to, well, of course, you know, the Rashas, we're working from a higher consciousness level uh, to, to change our DNA, then that obviously stimulates the healing process. So, so it's, 
it's challenging. And, you know, you've been in the health field long enough. How do you figure out the, you know, what's going on, especially when you talk about chronic disease, I'm not talking about acute, you know, acute, acute diseases, you know, we got exposed to something and we know this is going, but when it's going on for a long time, it's chronic, chronic Lyme, autoimmune disease, um, arthritis, uh, high blood pressure, things that, um, you know, have been going on for a long time. How do we find that magic button uh, or the magic wand? There is no, in our magic pill, there's no magic pill. So we got to kind of dig deep, look under the rock. But this is the area that I would say quite often is overlooked, as you said earlier in the podcast, that um, we have to pay attention to that. And this is an area also, I just want to say, is where most of the population have had something done in this area. So I always say, if you go into a, uh, let's say you go in a room with 100 people in there and you say, how many people have had a heart attack? You can ask some people, raise their hand. How many people have had knee surgery? Yeah. How many people have, you know, have Crohn's disease? You're going to get some hands go up. You go, how many people have had dental work done? <laughs> You're going to see probably almost every hand go up. So they either had fillings done, they've had gum therapy, they've had a root canal, they've had braces, they've had teeth extracted. So all these things are somewhat of an insult to the body. Um, so when we talk about implanting mercury to the, into the body, into the teeth, that's exposing the rest of the body. If we do a root canal, we're exposing the rest of the body. Uh, if we take a tooth out and don't clean the socket out and ends up with a cavitation, that's an insult to the body. So those are all things that that we're creating as a profession, unfortunately. So um, these are things that can't be ignored. Uh, and I think, you know, as, as you said, it took a while for you, even in the holistic world, to realize how important those things were. Um, and, you know, a, even as a dentist, we learn more medicine than, than medical doctors learn about the mouth. Uh, they really don't study much about that. And I... Just recently, I had you know had a patient came in and had been to primary care provider, pediatrician, went to the ER, and had a bunch of mouth sores in their mouth, and they had no idea what it was. They put her on antibiotics. Says you have primary gingival stomatitis, which is a herpes. So you know, so I treated the herpes. So, but she had seen three medical people, didn't know what that was. Um, so I you know, and I remember when I was in my residency, I got called down one night into the ER because uh, the ER doc thought that someone had squamous cell carcinoma and what it was, was just a cold sore in the mouth. So they really don't know that and understand it. So they're not looking like when there's a missing piece to the uh, process of getting well, you have to look at the mouth. I'm not saying, believe me, I'm not saying that's the overall, it always cures everything. Uh, it's not the, uh, magic pill, but you can't not look at that um, as if you're looking at every other part of the body and you ignore the mouth and you've got a real issue. If nothing else, I tell patients, look, let's, let's rule it out. Let's make sure it's not a problem. Uh, we talk about, for example, sleep issues. Let's do a home sleep study. Maybe you don't have sleep apnea, but maybe you do. Maybe that's preventing you from getting better because you're not getting enough oxygen to the brain and to the rest of the body during the most important time of healing when you're sleeping. So let's let's do the test and prove that that's not an issue. 
you know, if you have a root canal, let's test the root canal to see if it's toxic. Um, if it's not, then I guess you can leave it in. But uh, it really depends on what, where your mind is, mindset is. It can't. It, it cannot really hurt, um, because as we know that you know, it, it's uh, experiences symptom or whatever it may, it may be. It's always a. Uh, uh, com it's, it, it's not always one thing. It's always right. a complex thing. So it's many factors. So it's it's important to look at it. Now in the practice that I do, when when I started to really know how important it is is when we were being trained and taught on how to do quantum reflex analysis to test the mouse and it never fails for us even before they become like symptomatic we just kind of do some tests and whenever it's off and then we and then of mm -hmm. course part of my recommendation is you have to go to a biological dent, dentist practice. And yeah, that and I lead them to questions like really ask questions, what do they do? You know, if they use a laser, if they use ozone, if they use, you know, ask questions, ask questions. Right. Yeah. It's crucial because there's it be a, a, it be a checklist to prove mm -hmm. you're in the right place. Yeah. And you, you know, and I know you learned that from Dr. Bob Marshall, who you know, was very well educated in the connection between the mouth and the rest of the body. Uh, and obviously teaches that in all the quantum reflex courses. So, um, I, I mean, I'm a little biased because that's my field, but, and I'm saying it's not the end all be all, but I think you cannot ignore it uh, as you should not ignore other parts of the body. You know, you know so if you have a chronic sinus issue, uh, you want to deal with that. Um, if you have any kind of chronic disease or autoimmune problem, I mean, you just got to keep, you got to keep researching. You have to do your own homework. You have to be your own doctor, really, um, without getting too far off in, into the weeds with Google. Um, but, you know, do, do some research yourself and see what makes sense to you, uh, which is also very important. I always tell my patients, does this, does this really resonate with you? Because if it does, then you should move forward. If it doesn't, then that's okay. You know, I want to I want to make sure that one you understand, two that you're you're making informed consent, and that uh, you've done you know your homework in terms of what I'm saying really makes sense to you because you're going to get some different opinions, um, and everyone has a right to their own opinion, right? And, and and what I have also observed, and maybe it's true in your practice also, that and most people who have a poor digestion capabilities, always you can also relate to that they have also a very challenged dental care or oral care. So it yeah, seems I mean, like... The gut microbiome and the oral microbiome, I mean, they, they work together. So you can't have that imbalance. And it's required to produce a healthy environment. Um, so if you're doing all those things, eating right, good nutrition, but you've got this stuff that was put in your mouth by, by your family dentist, then you still need to address that. And believe me, there are people who have root canals and have mercury fillings that do not have health issues. 
Um, but I think it's becoming less and less. And I, I believe it's because, and I know you see this too, we're living in a much more toxic world now. So I think the ability to adapt to, let's say, a root canal or a mercury filling or a jaw infection um, 30, 40, 50 years ago was probably a little easier because the air was cleaner, the food was cleaner. But now we're, you know, when we're dealing with glyphosate and chemtrails and everything else that we're being exposed to, our bodies are just pushed over the edge. Um, but some things we have a little more control over. Glyphosate, not so much. Chemtrails, not so much. But we can do something about this. Oh, talking about control, I that's always been my motto, even when I was still in the Philippines in the 19, you know, early 19, late 1970s. I always say I can't control all the other major global issues, global concerns, but there's one thing I can control my, my choices for my food exactly. <laughs> or my lifestyle right. or how I think. Now that part I can. So let's see what happens if I can do that. And it did me well because it led me to really a healthier um, lifestyle and less challenges. Although um, I was also one of those who, at, as I said, even at young age, I, I have already dental issues that, you know, my parents and they didn't know much about it. So you just kind of thought, but I have a close um, affinity to good dentists because we have a very good traditional dentist in the Philippines and he was really very kind. He always treats us nicely. So when I went home to the Philippines, I make sure that I visit him. So, oh, but now right. he's gone and his, fa his son took over. But so at least that's my good memory I have with dentists. <laughs> That's good. Some people don't have very good memories, but um, we're, yeah. we're creating new memories for a lot of those patients to, to have them now, experience a different different way of practicing. What is in, in your practice, what is the most challenge that you have when it comes to your recommendations to patients? Um, and what do you do when they, they wouldn't follow your recommendations? Um, excellent question. I, I don't have as much of a problem with that these days because most of the majority of the patients who come to me are already looking for what we're providing. They know about the practice or they were referred by, say, a functional medicine doctor or nutritionist or naturopath. So they kind of know what they're already getting into. So I don't see that as often. Um, but there is some hesitation. So I'd, I'd say probably the biggest challenge is the treatment we do is can be expensive for some people. It's sometimes not affordable, um, especially to approach it from a, say, comprehensive um, approach, which means looking at all those factors. So in that case, we might have to take it, you know, in a slow process. So if someone, for example, has an abscess tooth, that should always be the top priority. We got to get that infection out. Once we deal with that, then we can deal with the mercury amalgam. Unless they come in 
they've been tested as being heavy metal toxic. So they did a heavy metal toxicity test. Then that might, we may move forward in that a little sooner. Uh, maybe their biggest complaint is they're not sleeping or their, their spouses are snoring. Uh, they're gasping for air. Then that might be the priority. So when you start to look at all those things, let's say someone comes in, um, they have crooked teeth. They had teeth extracted, so they maybe have jaw infections. They have a couple root canals. They got a mouthful of mercury. Um, they've got gum disease. Wow. I mean, that's that's a bit overwhelming when you say, oh, we can treat all that, but is it a, it's not affordable for everyone. So we sometimes have to piece it together and figure out what's, what's going to be uh, the best thing to treat early on, and then we'll get to the rest. So someone, you know, has a front tooth that's turning color, it's a cosmetic issue. Is that a priority? Well, it could be for somebody. I don't know, maybe because they're self-conscious about it. Um, their job requires them to be smiling. They don't want that front tooth. So they might have an infection down here, but this is their priority. So that, so, so that can also be a challenge is that what, what the patient is looking for might be different than what I would say spell out as the ideal um, treatment plan. Um, so that can be challenging. So, but I'm here to, you know, really give my input, but then allow the patient, to, you know, I want to meet them where they are so that I can help them move forward. Yeah, that always makes sense to meet them where they are. Now, um, do in your practice, do you have like a um, prep preparation protocol? I, I like, because if the people who comes to you are the most um, challenged already, so their immune system is already down and they may not be ready for the things that you needed to do. Do you do like um, IV vitamins and minerals or whatever uh, prep you do? No, we don't, but I work closely with some functional medicine docs in the area that I'll send them over. And so, some, so a lot of times the patients are coming from them, so they're already doing this treatment. Uh, if not, then I will recommend that because um, I don't want to further traumatize the body and possibly prevent the healing process to occur in a normal fashion if their body's overwhelmed already. So yes, we do some preparation. Um, if they've got a lot of you know heavy metal issues, we might do some, put them on a detox protocol. Um, if they've got other issues in terms of autoimmune, digestive issues, um, whatever it might be, yeah, we want to do some preparation so that when we do, for example, an extraction or we're going to do treat a cavitation surgery, we want to make sure they're going to heal in the most optimum way. Uh, a lot of these people will come and they say, can I do it all in one day? I said, no, you can't do it. You cannot do it all in one day. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially when someone wants to really feel good about their body and they can't wait. And so when you mentioned about cavitations, because it's one of the mo most common, I believe, and people don't understand that, uh, what, what, how, how can that happen? Yeah, it's pretty common. Uh, and if you go back in the history, 
of say modern dentistry in the early 1900s, uh, the father of modern dentistry, his name was uh, Dr. G.V. Black, and he talked about cavitations. So, so it's been in the history of dentistry um, for over 100 years. And then it sort of disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, then it came back and um, like I have a pathology book that has a whole chapter on cavitations. And then I noticed the next edition pathology book or pathology book did not have it in there. So, so it's not being taught in schools. Um, now, there is um, a very well-known doctor. Hold on one second. Uh, in Germany, uh, he, Dr. Uh, Lechner, and uh, he just put this book out. Cavitational osteonecrosis in jaw bone. Yeah. yeah. Look out. I mean, see how thick it is. It's full of research and studies and so so it's not something that i made up um so let me tell you what what creates those when a tooth is extracted think of the tooth as sitting like in a sling and you say pop that tooth out um that sling that was holding that tooth in the socket has to be removed and quite often that's not what's done the tooth is taken out the socket's not cleaned out. Uh, the patient may be given some gauze to bite down on and they leave. They may end up losing the clot. You get what's called a dry socket. Uh, you may not get a dry socket, but the gum might heal over with time, but you still have a hole underneath the gum tissue. And the hole is where the cavitation is. So in that hole where the tooth was, which looks normal on the surface. If you look on a 3D comb beam, you'll see lack of bone density. And if you look on an ultrasound, you'll see inflammation and infection. So you have to go in there and reestablish. First, you gotta eliminate and debride this socket completely. And then you have to regenerate blood supply to the socket so it will heal. So in the process, what we do is we open the area up we debride it, we clean it, we disinfect it with ozone, we treat it with lasers, and then we make sure all the necrotic tissue is out there, necrotic bone, make sure it's healthy bone, and then we want to see good blood flow into it because blood is what brings nutrients, blood which brings oxygen, it brings white blood cells, red blood cells, so this is what nourishes the socket. This is what didn't happen when that tooth was extracted. So this is called a cavitation. Uh, which the word cavitation just means, a, you know, a cavity. So it's a cavity in the bone. We call it ischemic bone because there's no blood supply to it. Uh, Dr. Lechner calls it silent inflammation because more than 90% of the time, it's asymptomatic. Patients don't even know they have it. And that so can also, Dr. Jean, sorry, that can also happen even months or years, years after. Yep. The extraction. Yeah. Yep. You didn't even know it. And it, it, so it was probably there, but something else happened then triggered this more serious issue. Uh, and the most common thing we see is mold exposure and Lyme. So I'd see that's a good number of the patients I see. And 
they had these cavitations before they had the mold exposure or had the line, but now they can't get better because of this constant leakage of toxins from these sites into the body. So it's a constant barrage against the immune system. So once we get in there and clean it out, then we use um, some kind of platelet. So we spin your blood down, uh, take the red and white blood cells. I'll put the platelets in there. Uh, and it has the growth factors in it. So then we can grow healthy new bone with good circulation running through it. So with that kind of environment, you're not it's not conducive to anaerobic bacteria or fungus or Lyme to grow in that site. And so that's once you eliminate that, that means you've now taken another burden off of the body. So you can help with that whatever their physiological range is, to move them in there and more towards the health side of the um, pendulum. So fascinating and very all very important information you're sharing. Now, what's happening in the dental schools lately? Will the new upcoming dentists know about what you've been sharing to me, or they have to just learn it on their own? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, all of this I learned after school, getting out of school. Mostly what you're going to see change in the dental school is technology, uh, new technology, uh, new types of drills, new types of x-rays. You know, the 3D comb beam uh, is probably the newest technology, use of lasers, use of 3D printing uh, so that you can fabricate um, crowns and inlays and onlays in the office. So that's more technology, but there's really not looking at how the, and they talk about oral systemic health, but it's always in relationship to periodontal disease. So that's a pretty clear thing that we know that people with gum inflammation, gum infection, there's a high propensity for diabetes, uh, cardiovascular disease, hypertension. So those kind of things are taught. But they're not talking about the dangers of mercury. They're not talking about the problem with root canals. And they certainly aren't even acknowledging cavitations exist. So these are the kind of things that you'll learn if that's the path that you decide to go down. I didn't initially plan on going down that big a path. <laughs> I was just looking at the mercury issue. <laughs> then I heard about root canals. Then I heard oh. about cavitations. Then I heard about airway. <laughs> You know, so you the cranial, the cranial system. So, I mean, one thing led to another as you start. And then obviously lots of nutrition and how that had an impact. So studying, you know, Western Price's work. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, if nothing else, Western Price's work should be taught in dental school um, as a direct impact on the growth and development of the jaw and teeth. So, but again, if you can treat those things at a young age with the proper nutrition, uh, breastfeeding, eating solid foods as an infant, not these gooey soft foods, you can grow and develop the jaw. So you would eliminate probably 90% of the need for braces. So, so they're not, so they're not interested in that. That may not be good for their practice, right. for the business. But all of what you're doing and all the uh, maybe just a handful of biological dentist dental practice right now, um, 
sooner or later there should be less 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 time going to the medical doctors but going to a real biologic dentist because you know you guys really see it all in in a comprehensive way and yeah there should be less less of dentists who are not doing this now since you meant earlier you showed me and maybe you could show it to the audience and you talk about you know the button that you said because i i i'm not sure i maybe in some other countries or some dentists still use that the amalgam so yeah um now this has been a a fight from the initial introduction i'm going to give a little history uh yeah because i showed you that button uh your audience can see that uh, make Perfect. that amalgam history so I just got this in the mail. I just opened it as we were talking. So um, if you go back into early dentistry in the U.S., say back in the 1840s, um, most of the dental work that was done were done by barber surgeons. So if you were to go um, to historic Williamsburg and go in the wig shop, on in the wig shop, it also was where you would have your teeth extracted and they have dental tools there so so early on the, most of the treatment was either uh extracting a tooth um or, or or not doing any treatment at all so in the about 1840 uh two brothers came over from france and they had this product called quicksilver interesting because hence the word quacksilver and then hence calling us quacks because we practice this way. They introduced something called mercury amalgam. So it not much different than today. The only difference in the 1960s, they added copper to that uh, combination of 50% mercury and the rest of it's silver, copper, tin, and zinc. Uh, but the original did not have copper. So they introduced this to the International Society of Dental Surgeons. That was the then ADA. Uh, a group said, look, we're not going to agree to placing this. We think this is toxic. If you're going to replace that, you can't belong to our organization. There was a separate organization that became uh, what we now know as the American Dental Association. So they had the first patent on mercury. The other society sort of disappeared. So, so they started certainly promoting the use of it for a number of reasons. It would, you could fill cavities. You didn't have to take the teeth out. Uh, it was easy to place. Um, mercury is a great antiseptic. Um, it does kill bacteria. Um, I mean, I grew up in time when we used, uh, you know, mercurochrome um, to put on cuts and, uh, and it had mercury in it. Little did we know we were, <laughs> and we used to play with thermometers and break the mercury and play with it. We didn't know. So, um, but there was a group of dentists that knew, but the ADA then obviously promoted that as a safe way of saving teeth. And it is a very easy material. It, it does help replace uh, the decay. Mercury is a great uh, uh, disinfectant, uh, but at the expense of now releasing toxic mercury to the body, is it really worth the risk and benefit? And the other thing is that 
these metal fillings contract, they contract and expand, contract and expand. So they end up cracking teeth. So a lot of teeth end up needing root canals or crowns as a consequence of these large amalgams that were put in teeth. And there is a misinformation uh, that many dentists will say that the mercury eventually completely is eliminated from the filling. Well, that's absurd because 50% of the composition of that material is mercury. So think about it. If 50% of the composition of that material was missing, the thing would completely collapse. You couldn't, you couldn't have still have that filling in there. So that's the first misinformation. The other is, the, oh, the mercury that leaks out of those fillings is insignificant. You get more eating tuna fish or other fish. I mean, it's just this is the kind of information that patients are being given. So then they, you know, and I, dentists are very trustworthy people. Okay, they're 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 talking uh, about what they learn and what they believe in. Uh, I don't believe they're evil people. Um, but now, uh, with the ability to do your own research, you can find out a lot about the dangers, even though your dentist may still say it's perfectly safe, and anybody who's telling you different is a quack, and don't believe them. But there's plenty of information. And we've been fighting this with the ADA and the FDA. The FDA finally came out recently and said, no more mercury amalgam in infants pregnant women, and anybody with neurological problems. So, But for everybody else, it's okay. That makes sense. So that's kind of a brief history of where amalgam started, why it's still considered safe. Um, but it's going to go away. It will go yeah. away mainly because the public's requiring it and requesting it for two reasons. One, they know it's a health issue. And two, they don't like the looks of it. Nobody wants to look in their mouth and see black fillings. So, yeah. and by the way, I had 14 amalgams. So I had them completely removed yeah. when I found out. Yeah. Yeah. I know other people too who took took them all out one one at a time, two at a time, and just patiently did it. And they vouched that their health is much better. And I've seen also um, by taking care of some um, um, people from from like um, like housing developments where they have some disability. And when I was looking at their mouth, oh my God, they're all filled with amalgams. Yeah. And, you know, they, they weren't really being helped by the government to take it out. And uh, yeah, and it doesn't make sense that it's for the elders, sure, don't use it. So, but there's a rising incidence of cognitive issues like Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, all these things. And I bet most of them have also those fillings like that and all those uh, root canals and implants, etc. Yeah, I think the question is, you personally, how much can you uh, stand before something manifests? Some, okay. I mean, you can, we don't know because whatever we manifest today was brewing long before that. And so now it shows up and it may not be as simple as, you know, I, I fall out of a two story building and I break my arm 
I go to the ER to go, oh, you broke your arm. How'd you do that? I fell out of the building. Simple as that. You go to the uh, ER and said, I have this chronic fatigue. Well, how'd you do that? I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. Even those who say that they're depressed, you know, they should really look into checking their mouth when they're chronically depressed. It uh, won't hurt. It's a common yeah. symptom of mercury toxicity as, as well as other heavy metals. So it's not just mercury. People have arsenic. Uh, nickel is a big issue. Nickel's used in dentistry. Um, so you got to be careful about all those things. We only use ceramic uh, material because we know that even though it's still not the body's own material, it's the most biocompatible material you can use. Well, talking about depression, why is it? Is it still true that the dentists have the highest suicide rates? I, I have heard that many times. Uh, I have not seen the literature or research to back that up. I, I believe it because of, I think, two factors. Uh, the profession can be very stressful because we're working in a very small environment and we're trying to do something very precise. You know, we're trying to get little things to fit in so that they're perfect, so the bite's right and all that. So, so it can be stressful. Um, and then two, if you're exposed on a regular basis to either placing or removing mercury amalgam, you're getting a toxic load. That's going to affect you. That's going to have a cognitive issue. It can cause depression and, of course, suicidal issues. Um, it was interesting. There is a study this I do know about that dentists, as far as all the healthcare providers, both traditional, allopathic, alternative, dentists take more prescription drugs than any other health profession. So why is that? I don't know. Is it the stress of the job or is it the mercury? I, it could be a combination. So, but that, that was a pretty uh, legitimate study. So, so there's some reason behind it. Um, suicide, suicidal thoughts. I can see if you're being overexposed to it. I feel fortunate and grateful that I learned about this early on in my career. So it's important that health really begins with ourselves. Yeah. Okay. You got to take personal responsibility yeah. and accountability. Can't rely on somebody else. Unless you said, if I was in a car accident, I'm going to rely on somebody to put me back together. <laughs> but on well, everyday we health can issues. We can wrap it up. And if you have any more um, pressing things that you wanted to share, and whatever it is, advice, suggestions, and of course, let them know how they can reach you. And I promise that we'll do it again in the future. Okay. Yeah, we can go on forever and ever. Um, well, you can reach me at uh, juliandentist.com. I think you have, you know, or Julian Dental. It'll, it'll take you to Julian Dentist also, or the Julian Center for Sleep. Uh, I've got one for... Joint Center for Toxic Free Dentistry, Joint Center for uh, Holistic Implants. Um, so we've got a number of places to reach me. I think that I would leave with the advice is one, as you just said, take accountability for your own health, do your research, 
And regardless of what you're being told, verify that and get, you know, informed as best you can. And if you are struggling with some long-term chronic illness that seems to be unresolved, no matter what you've tried, think about seeing a biological dentist. At least be evaluated so they can tell you, no, it's not an issue. But there's, I said, some of these things are hidden. Uh, periodontal disease can be hidden. Cavitations can be hidden. Uh, infections around root canals. Obviously, you have amalgams. You can see those in your mouth. But a lot of times, you just don't know. And um, you could go to any of those organizations, IAOMT, IABDM, or HDA, which is the Holistic Dental Association. Find somebody in your area. Always can reach out to me if you want another uh, opinion or some advice. If you're seeing a holistic dentist and you want to just verify. Okay. Yeah, and um, any if you have further questions or you know just email me as well, and I could forward it to Dr. Eugene Sambataro. Okay, okay. and um, yeah, do take care of uh, that little piece of you know part of your body because you can don't ignore it it's not just right. about having a regular cleaning <laughs> no it's beyond that okay when you go to a biological dentist who you can talk about food talk about supplements talk about your mind and other um technologies such as the russia etc okay right. so it, this podcast will be uploaded in many platforms of course and share it, share it, share it. Thank you. Grace, this has been great spending time with you. Um, enjoying every minute of it. Thank you so much for this opportunity to get the word out. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. All right.